0: Welcome to the Forward 40 podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. back everyone to another episode of Forward 40. I am so pleased to be back um, to have a great um, new season of guests, phenomenal, phenomenal women. Uh, and today I am pleased to have Samantha Pratt, who is CEO and founder of Engage, which is um, a technology tool that is used to gauge the and social-emotional well-being of students in the classroom. Um, So welcome, Samantha.
1: Hi, nice to be here.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Um, I came across Samantha's work uh, through the Forbes 30 under 30, congratulations, (laughs) Uh, announcement. And because of my past experience working in the education sector, um, specifically in schools uh, and partnering with schools, i had witnessed myself you know just the holistic part of what it needs what needs to be in place for a child to be successful um and and to achieve so i guess samantha what you know your former educator um and ceo founder what propelled you to design and launch click engage
1: yeah so i mean I could start with what happens in the classroom, which you kind of already touched on, and um, tell you kind of how that led me into the work, but I think it started a lot further back with my own personal journey. Mm. Um, So, I also, I was, I grew up low income, um, in like a single parent household, and um, as a result, I grew up in a really chaotic home. Um, But I always, really prioritized school as I, cause I saw it as kind of like a means out and like one of those really traditional ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of all of the kind of complex traumas I was experiencing at home, um, and my kind of fixation on school being my only way out, um, I developed a lot of mental health issues growing up. Mm-hmm. So I struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. um, And at the time I felt like my journey was really unique and honestly I didn't know that I was struggling with these things. It kind of, it was my normal Mm -hmm. um, because I had always been exposed to really like chaotic and um, just lots of issues in my home environment. So like from a very young age that all of these side effects uh, that go along with experiencing trauma had always been present for me. Um, So I didn't really understand that it was, there was something else. Um, And so my journey through school, though my grades academically were always really good, and I never really had problems behaviorally, um, school was really hard for me emotionally, mm. and I it was kind of this thing that I felt like I needed, and I would obsess over, and like it turned into like a cycle of me um, leading to really unhealthy behaviors essentially. Um, When I got, I didn't get any support throughout school because I was high achieving and I didn't have any behavioral issues. So a lot of what I was doing was just viewed as perfectionism, um, which is pretty common. And um, because I had nothing to push that against, I didn't really understand that there was a bigger issue until I got to college. And in college, like shout out to the university is they all, most universities now have a free mental health program. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's always free services and they push it on you because they know of all the things college students deal with. Um, I actually developed a panic disorder in college over, which is, which is something that results from years and years and years of high stress and high levels of cortisol. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically because I had dealt with anxiety my entire life with no help. Um, by the time I was 19, I was having patternized panic attacks like five to 10 times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that obviously was a big signal that the way I was functioning was no longer okay. Um, And so I was able to get support from my school and kind of find my new normal and really just bring myself down and I've been doing really well ever since. But what I was really frustrated by was how long it took for me to get that support. And reflecting on how much easier school would have been for me had I gotten the support a lot sooner. Um, so that was my personal context. And so it kind of, I was already studying psychology in school because I was, I knew I was struggling with these things. Um, but when I kind of married that to my new understanding of where the problems lie, um, I decided that like where we really need, needed to target support was in schools. So I decided I wanted to do, I wanted to teach after college. Um, I wanted to better understand like what's happening in schools to where kids like me were being missed. Um, and so when I went into education, I had that full context in mind, but I did TFA, so I actually taught in a low-income school. And whereas I wanna say that I was kind of an anomaly in the environment that I was in growing up, um, every single one of my students was living out the experience that I had. Um, and even with, as a teacher, with all of the context in mind, I felt like helpless in trying to reach them. Mostly because how do you get to 25 kids that rotate out of your classroom every 90 minutes that all need your help? Um, and when you like, and that can feel like a big burden. And so I started to feel overwhelmed, and I felt like I needed something that can at least give me an idea of what they were bringing in, even if I couldn't solve their problems. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the catalyst of the development of ClickEngage, um, which is essentially a virtual check-in tool at its very core. And so I felt like I wanted to find a way to understand what students were going through. I didn't have time. So because I have the curriculum you have to teach. So I knew I had about five minutes. So anything I did with students had to happen in the first five minutes of class when they're walking in to sit down. So I thought about how I could do that. I married that with some technology, and I built click engage. And as I started to see what could happen with it and how it made my life easier, um, I knew it was something we needed to get to as many students as possible as quickly as possible.
0: Yes, yes. Um, thank you uh, for both sharing your personal journey, but then also like how you were able to put that in practice um, in, in the classroom. I, I was, you know, in, inspired by just your share of being that high achieving student. <laughs> um, like I recall as, you know, we briefly spoke about like school being the, the way that you know you're you're learning it, it, it's an escape. Um, it's you, you can kind of um, lose yourself in being goal oriented you know around a particular subject and you can receive the praise from teachers and staff and your peers um, because you're performing well academically uh, but sometimes that praise can you know provoke more pressure Um, and then it also as you mentioned overshadows other things um, that a child um, is experiencing so so thank you Um, now now that you've launched um, what have you um, what have you found and what have you been hearing from from your partners like how have they received uh, the tool and are there different ways in which like teachers are utilizing it, uh, and receive it versus, you know, school administrators?
1: Yeah. So we, so as much we just launched. So we're in like the really early stages of what this is looking like kind of broad scale. Um, but we have seen so far, the biggest thing we've seen is just the way the reasons schools are acquiring us are very different. Um, so for example, we're working with um, I'm actually flying out in two days to do a training with a school in Houston um, that is an older population an alternative population mm, okay. students, and which is different from like what I initially envisioned but I think that like, definitely fits really closely to our work um, And what's interesting about them is they really they have um, a very small student population. they have a lot of really strong educators in their building mm-hmm. um, and they even have an on-site. Um, psychologist, which is not common for many schools. So what they're actually hoping to do is help her target the students more effectively, um, which is definitely a goal of the work. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see what a school does with our technology with all of the kind of right things in place for their students. Mm. Um, Because for them, they just felt like even with everything that they were doing intentionally, they just still didn't know who and how to target students. Um, So I'm excited about that project to see what happens when everything's like set up correctly, like how it's really going to function. Um, most of the schools and classrooms that we work with that are more in traditional settings, um, it's been mostly at the classroom level. We've seen it be used and teachers mostly have used it pretty consistently at the beginning of their classes. So they use it during, um, entrance routine and we've seen some teachers use it as a class discussion piece where they'll kind of share the data with the class. Um, it's anonymous when you share graphs because um, you can share them on the smart board. So they'll share the graph with the class, and they'll just engage the class in discussion on how to um, support students that are not feeling great that day. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bring, creates a sense of community in the room. And sometimes we see teachers, and that's all they really do, right? And that even in itself can usually foster a pretty positive classroom environment. Yes. We have some teachers that will be a little bit more direct with their support. So there's ways you can track check-ins in our in the app, Um, so a teacher might pull aside students that are kind of in a high warning zone, and then they'll talk to them one-on-one while other students are working or doing independent work throughout class. And we've seen it kind of used in different ways. Um, so far, like I said, because we just launched, we're, we're not sure like which of these ways is more effective. Um, but we have seen pretty much across the board, each of these strategies have its own benefits in the classroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, thank, thank you. Um, I also like wonder just in terms of like the acculturation of the students to the tool, like just in um, you even mentioning like there's going to be a different population that you're um, flying out um, to really see how this, how the, how the tool um, could be leveraged for their school environment. Mm-hmm. And um, while that's an older population, I, I imagine that younger students um, may view it as maybe like less, more more exciting or you know like something to engage in um and it'll be interesting to see um kind of like the acculturation for older students and how transparent or forthcoming they would be with um kind of like where they're at
1: yeah we're actually that's the thing i'm a huge data nerd like this i love <laughs> and one of the things i'm really excited about about this um, launched in particular is that's one of our focus points is this uh the data collection um, quality of data collection but also just those little nuanced things which is just like which age populations um engage the most easily who's most excited about it like all of that different stuff is exactly what we're focusing on this quarter um because i have theories around like who it best serves but um, I also know, because I come from a research background, that a lot of times the things you theorize about like are proven wrong. Correct, yeah. Um, so I didn't even think high schools and um, upper-level middle schools were going to want to purchase us, and we've had most of our interest from that population. Yeah. So that's one piece where I was proven wrong already. So I'm really interested to see, because um, we did pilot with a high school in Miami a couple years ago when we were testing out our different like the different elements of the app Mm -hmm. and with that population that their school did request that we have a way for students to be anonymous. So we actually don't know if the students still would have reported, um, even if their names were listed in the app, um, because the school assumed, as well as I, that they would want as high schoolers want anonymity.
0: Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So that was kind of something that we, an assumption we were working on. So I'm interested to see with some of these schools that are choosing not to do that, what ends up happening. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's um, while I'm not a data nerd, um, <laughs> that would be interesting um, to to see uh, for for sure. Um, I, you know, like it's still the early stages, um, Mm -hmm. but what have you found to be the biggest challenge? Um, and then I guess also like the, the greatest reward, um, Mm -hmm. on the journey thus far.
1: Oh, I (laughs) so I think the challenge varies based on kind of the lens, right? So I feel like there's been, I can give you a big challenge from just like the startup perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can give you kind of a, a challenge from, in terms of just like our implementation, um, and I guess like I mean honestly they're kind of the same. So I think the hardest part has been everyone that I've spoken—I've never spoken to a person, except for maybe one time—that didn't understand the why behind my work. Right? Like everybody that I speak to understands why this would be important for students. Well, that
0: helps for for pitching. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely, which is something, yeah, a lot of organizations don't get the benefit of that. A lot of times you're trying to explain the problem, and I've been lucky enough that even if people can't understand the nuances of how this specifically affects, like complex traumas might affect low-income students, they understand why we need to support kids emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's been a big push for that in policy and things like that. So in general, our problem is very clear to people the solution is simple enough so usually that's pretty clear to people. Mm. What's been frustrating for me is we get people super excited and everyone's like on board for what this work could do, but the translation time to getting it into an actual building takes so long. Um, and that's just the nature of working with schools, it's just like basically the sales cycle just takes forever. And for me that's really frustrating, not because of like the sale, but because of the fact that because it's taking so long, we're not reaching their students. Um, And it also means that then to me, this is a really urgent problem. So like the longer it takes me to work through a contract with a school, um, the fewer contracts I'm working on and the fewer students we're able to reach. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's been the most frustrating process because I'm like, I'm here and I'm ready to go and I like, fly to different cities every day if I need to, but it takes so long, like cutting through red tape and bureaucracy, even when you have a school that's really excited. Mm.
0: That's, wow, yeah, that, that, that's real, that is real. Yeah. And then what about the greatest reward?
1: <sighs> um, I think it's been on the flip side of that, that very point, It's been really cool to see how the the diversity of people that, um, are interested in this work. Like there's so, like I said, there's not a person except for maybe one ever that I've spoken to that didn't understand this problem. And that's true for educators, for administrators, for parents, for investors for people who are in completely different sectors Mm -hmm. and to see everyone understanding that this problem exists is really 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 cool to me because that just shows that there's so much possibility there for people to make an impact on this because I don't believe that what we're doing is the only way to solve problems for kids that would be outlandish. So it's really cool to see other people excited about the same problem because that just means there's more warriors on the ground working to fix this for kids.
0: Yes. 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 And have you, like you you mentioned like a diverse um, set of people who are um, pretty excited about it and, and, and bought in are, are you seeing like a cross section of kind of the, the types of schools um, or even an interest beyond just um, lower income, you know, um, demographics?
1: Yeah, so we've actually had um, a lot of interest from different kinds of private schools. We have a lot of charters because charters have more, in a lot of environments charters have more leniency in what they can, Bring into their school, and a little bit—it's a little bit easier for them to acquire projects. Um, So we've had a lot of charters interested, and um, traditionally, traditional public schools as well. But those—it's been the income, like the stratification of income of our interest groups—is kind of all over the place. So more about the personnel, which has been interesting too. It's more about the personnel in the building. Mm. so if it's a school that has a strong culture or a school that's trying to improve their culture, mm-hmm. that's been the main, um, that's been the common denominator across all the schools that you're able to get really strong interest from, mm-hmm. um, because they're looking for anything that could help them build.
0: Mm. Okay. Also another great data point. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're going to have a great report. <laughs> (laughs) But we're working on it. Oh, my goodness. Um, So, you know, as entrepreneurs, specifically women of color entrepreneurs, um, there are internal and external factors and hurdles that we experience, whether it's, like, external from um, articulating a vision and a pitch that isn't necessarily transparent. You know transferable to the the audience because maybe it's like culturally specific or um very personal to you that is not um is not you know uh crossing uh, a broader um sect of 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 your audience and then there's the internal piece of you know maybe dealing with those no's um, (laughs) or having to refine um, or feeling, you know, this tension that you have to refine your your vision or your mission to cater to um, external entities. Um, What inspires you to push through when, you know, those points of tension arise, whether it be anxiety, doubt, or fear?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think that, well, I come, I operate in the place of believing that people don't intend to be, to do harm. Um, And I say that because that I, I do truly believe that no one sets out in their day to be a bad person. That a lot of it comes from just misunderstanding, misconception, or um, like circumstance. Mm -hmm. So I believe that through. I love pitching. And I think that's something that might, that's not true for everybody, but pitching is one of my favorite things in the world. And I love speaking because I think when people hear a story or they hear how you can express a problem, um, they, everyone can find a way to identify. Um, You can identify, you can make something identify with anyone. And I really believe that, especially if you have If you're good with words, Uh, I really think that if you're a strong storyteller, you can do that. And I don't think, like I said, I don't think people intend, uh, enter the world with that intention. So I think that it's so powerful to be able to reach people who might just have, who may have just not heard the story in the way that they need to. And so when I, I don't really get nervous talking um, to groups or trying to pitch to someone or trying to engage people. because. Um, I find it as like an exciting challenge Like I want a person to understand what all kids are going through because yes, it's something that I think disproportionately affects low income youth and specifically minority youth. But I think. All of us can identify with a time where we've needed somebody to ask us how we were yeah. the very like fundamentally. And so I think if you can get people to understand that, then you can get them to understand the bigger problems that kind of feel macro and higher level. Mm-hmm. And so I find it as like an exciting challenge. And the more people that you can get on board and understanding the problem in a in the right ways. Right. So like being culturally sensitive and a lot of things, um, the more. Bat, like more people you have on the ground working towards this issue mm-hmm. and wow. so to me it's just it's an exciting challenge i love talking to people about it. i love trying to hear people's stories and um i do vary who i'm talking to um and i will say it it's very good so so economically and a lot of times by race so if i'm in a room talking to a room full of white males that are really affluent, the way that I pitch is going to be different Mm -hmm. to a more diverse crowd. And that's just because, like I said, you're trying to get them to understand the problem in a way that makes sense to them. so in those situations i might ask more about i might make it feel more relevant to them i usually start a pitch by asking them questions um like how did you when you like did you get to when you were driving here today like did you get frustrated like when you got here because you had a frustrating drive like were you upset um and was it harder for you to like kind of switch gears and if the answer is yes then let's talk about how that would look for kids in the classroom
0: and let's We're also talk about, about what We're you're bringing in. into this session right now where I'm about to pitch to you and you're, <laughs> you're not yeah, necessarily I able see, to receive yeah, what I I'm see, saying. Right? Like
1: I just do – but I think that that's powerful. Like you have to meet people where they are, and, and I don't think everyone's willing to do that, and I am. And so to me, I feel like it's kind of my duty to make sure everyone understands.
0: And then in, in terms of like when those internal hurdles um, come up, like maybe it'll be like – in in the data itself like you see like a mirror reflection of you your experience or just like the day-to-day what what keeps you motivated
1: Mm. i think so i kind of share something i haven't really talked to, to a lot of people about this yet, but with um the biggest thing that will get me to second guess myself on everything or to kind of pull me back from being as excited about the work is um i don't know how best to describe it but feeling like it's getting i'm getting more accolades than i deserve if that makes any sense so like the forbes thing was before i thought the forbes thing but making forbes list which was a huge life goal of mine has actually been for a couple weeks afterward was really 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 hard for me um, because I didn't feel like I have demonstrated any impact in a way that um, warranted that award. Um, And so I felt it's like very common term imposter syndrome um, to the point where I like couldn't even, I didn't want to tell people about it. Like I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to tell anyone about it. I felt uncomfortable um, and it hindered, like I wouldn't I wasn't taking lots of calls about it. I wasn't doing press because I just didn't feel like the work itself could speak yet. And so obviously that hindered me a lot. And that imposter syndrome really like crippled me for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a good coach kind of give me what I hold on to now and why I've been more productive these last couple of weeks. Um, And he said, if you, he didn't say like, why do you feel that way? Or like try to hype me up. Instead he was like, okay, well if you're feeling like your work isn't speaking for itself yet, then what do you need to do this year to meet your own standards Mm -hmm. um, and do that? Right. And And so your own standards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's cause I think it is about like, I mean, I think he made the point that people wouldn't have like put me on the list if they didn't feel like we were going to make that impact. But like, I just didn't feel like we were there. Um, And so that I think it's like an internal like, I'm kind of stopping myself internally in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's just like, that's okay to feel that, but what are you gonna do about it? And so really putting down action steps on how we're gonna make a larger impact um, and making sure my day-to-day goals work towards that is the only thing that really keeps me moving forward when the like when the days get hard. Because the only thing that really stops me is, is definitely that imposter syndrome. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, and it's it's real. Like I was um, recently speaking to a colleague who um, she was talking about like that being the first, um, mm-hmm. like coming in contact with another black woman, actually, um, and who is in a senior level position. And she was celebrated, you know, for being. <laughs> the first woman <laughs> than the first <laughs> black woman. And um, her colleague was just like, you know, I don't want to spend too much time celebrating this um, because herein lies a, a problem. Like, I, w- I want to get to the work. Um, mm-hmm. But even even in that, it's like that, the, the level of external um, pressures or um, admiration or adoration um, mm-hmm. can it can kind of make people retreat um, or um, veer off from the work. So like, I, I like um, what your coach even uh, recommended. It's like, what's going to meet your standard instead of putting living up to the external pressures, um, it's what's going to meet you where you are.
1: Yeah, I need to talk to that person. sounds like they, they <laughs> understand
0: it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when being in the school environment um uh, but then also working with schools um myself there's you know there, there's a way that we can all relate it's not like we were born into this world as adults you know we can all reflect on what that was like growing up uh, but then, you know, being uh, an adult in in the world uh, and with the larger, you know, dialogue and discourse, um, and to some extent, you know, it seems um, a little trendy um, mm-hmm. and it can border in inauthentic. Around self care, like, oh, it's just so simple, or, you know, like holistic health. Um, there's an intentionality that is definitely needed there for, you know, just social emotional support. Um, if you could reimagine Click Engage to uh, be an assessment for adults, <laughs> just <laughs> existing in the world of work, um, what do you think the data would tell us?
1: Oh, goodness. Um... This is funny because I have like, I, have, I think I might have mentioned this to you another time, but we, yeah, I have a lot of requests from teachers who use it <laughs> for students <laughs> for something like this. Um, and I don't know what it would look like. I honestly think the same questions probably would still stand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that what we'll find is that it, what we're going through day to day mirrors that of the students. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, like the problems are different. Um, I do think that like the, obviously throughout time, like the level of agency you have can shift what kinds of problems you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. But, um, that being said, everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. And we know, I can tell you personally that like when I'm having a bad day, it's not, I'm not going to be the most productive version of myself. Um, and I think that if we were to bring something like this into the workplace, what we would find is... When someone is having a hard day, putting more pressure on them or having a negative dialogue with them on that day is probably going to result in less efficiency. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and so I think it'd be really interesting to for employers or bosses or whoever's kind of the person you're checking in with to have this information. So they know how to address people. Um, because I think that even when I was a teacher, oh my gosh, if I was a te- when I was a teacher, if I had something like this um, and my principal just stopped by my classroom when I was having a day where like I cried on my way to work um, and just asked what I needed. I think like two minutes of that in the morning would have shifted an entire day for me and also then the impact I had on my students.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, it's, we, it's kind of like society has bred this culture of just like churning, just like go, 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 go. And then also depending on, uh, where you are geographically, (laughs) I would say like New York or at least like a bigger, you know, like larger city metropolis. Um, it's just like just move 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 and as you mentioned you know as an educator teacher uh, when you have X amount of block of time and you know the students as your captive (laughs) you know pupils right there um, it's it's a lot to juggle Um, so I I definitely agree I know that um, in my experience being in the workplace when there was set aside time before a check-in because people also overdo the meeting culture just like meetings 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 (laughs) that lead to not a lot of work getting done um or just really doing a pulse check on how people are beyond just the you know the agenda or the project um at hand it definitely breeds a healthier culture and then also um just interpersonal um interactions
1: yeah definitely
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So adults, we need to get it together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Samantha's doing it for the children. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so Samantha, it's, you know, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we close each segment with a T affirmation. Um, so I wanted to give you the opportunity to share your words of wisdom with us. Um.
1: I would say pretty, I'm going to keep it really simple. I think something that's really important to remember is that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just as simple as that. Like there doesn't have, you don't have to understand why today, tomorrow, or even in 10 years. But if you can just keep in mind that whatever is happening, good or bad is happening for a reason, Mm -hmm. it makes every day a little bit more bearable and every win, um, more humbling, and every loss a little bit easier to take.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I received that very well um, as someone who, you know, analyzes a lot and is reflective. That was a great reminder for me. Um, so thank you. Um, Samantha, how can people, um, you know, like stay engaged with the work that you're doing with Click Engage? Yeah, so
1: we are, you can follow us on social media. All of our social media handles on all platforms are at Click Engage um, with a K. And you can also um, follow Press on our website at www.ClickEngage.com.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. It was great to um, just hear more about your journey, but then also truly be inspired um, that you have been able to translate personal lived experience um to a systems change uh approach uh for the greater good of not just the children but then also just like broader um school environments so thank you of course thank you thank you until we connect again sip sis say la, share and continue to serve